Welcome to the inaugural edition of Ticket Splitters, the Grassroots Midwest podcast. I'm Adrian Heeman, CEO. Grassroots Midwest is Michigan's first and only bipartisan grassroots advocacy firm, and Ticket Splitters is going to give you a regular bipartisan look at how politics is done in Michigan. We'll feature interviews with elected officials, journalists, grassroots activists, and others to talk to them about how they do what they do, how to get involved, and how the business of politics is actually done on both sides of the aisle. I'm particularly excited about our inaugural edition of Ticket Splitters because of our first guest. Wendy Days, a former Howell School Board member and former candidate for state representative. She's passionate about helping veterans and military families. She's also a Remax Platinum Realtor with the Wendy Day Group, serving mid-Michigan. In the spirit of bipartisanship, Wendy also couldn't be more different from me politically. She was one of the original Tea Party organizers in Michigan and founder of Common Sense in Government. She also ran the Ted Cruz campaign in Michigan and is the former vice chair for grassroots of the Michigan Republican Party. She's also a dear friend. Wendy, welcome to the uh, welcome to the Grassroots Midwest podcast, Ticket Splitters. Thanks, glad to be here. Yeah, I really appreciate you doing this. We're um, we're really excited about bringing on sort of people from all walks of life who've touched on politics in some way or another. And you and I have known each other for a long time. So mm-hmm. wanted to have a conversation with you um, about your view of politics, how it works, your experience um, that you had. Um, you got involved in conservative grassroots politics more than a decade ago. What made? What was the first thing that made you want to get involved? I know you ran for school board. You did mm-hmm. a lot of things like that. What was the first thing that made you want to get involved? Well, the very first thing I wanted to... Um that kind of led me to get involved was in 2004 my husband got deployed Mm -hmm. and when we found out he was getting deployed to Iraq um, I started kind of obviously watching the news paying more attention to what was going on and I at that time there was that big showdown between John Kerry and George W. Bush and I just I felt compelled to get involved I Mm -hmm. went down and, and, and I did not want John Kerry just me personally did not want John Kerry to be in charge of my husband when he was deployed. I didn't sure. trust him. I didn't want it. I mm-hmm. couldn't have it. So um, I went down and started volunteering at the local office for the election for George W. Bush. Um, volunteered there for a couple days, and then they ended up paying me to be a uh, grassroots organizer mm-hmm. there and volunteer coordinator at the office. So that was kind of my first um, real jump into politics as an adult, mm-hmm. and um, kind of went from there. So. What was the trajectory from the first time you got involved in the 04 um, Bush Kerry campaign from there to running for school board? How long did it take you to do that? And what made you want to go from, you know, volunteering on somebody else's campaign to running your own? Yeah, so a lot of people think that, you know, your life and your steps are going to be kind of like, you know, up a mountain, step, step, step. Mine was more of kind of a roller coaster, Mm -hmm. and I was all over the place. So I um, worked on the Bush campaign. After that, got um, involved in the local Republican Party. It wasn't wasn't until 2006 that I ran for school board. Mm -hmm. I started homeschooling my kids, and I really was trying to figure out where I was going to get plugged in at. Because originally, I thought, I want to be a state rep. I want to be uh, governor of Michigan. And that was my my goal when I was, you know, way back then working in the the Bush campaign. And and then I kind of decided that sounded kind of boring and lame. I didn't want to do it. But then I was trying to figure out where I fit. Yeah. And I really... not to be weird and spiritual about it, but I was sitting in church one night and they handed out these puzzle pieces to every person in the audience and they said, are you fulfilling the piece of the puzzle that you're supposed to be? Hmm. And I'm like, I don't think so because I don't know. And and so I just literally (laughs) prayed about it. I'm like, what am I supposed to be doing? And it's like so weird. It was almost an audible voice said, you should run for school board. And I said, I don't want to run for school board. I homeschool my children. I school board is dumb and boring and um, 
I, I don't want, I want to be state rep. I don't want to be a school board member. Sure. And it's like, yeah, but you need to run for school board. And I was like, again, no, thank you. <laughs> um, so needless to say, I ended up running for school board. I was actually the top vote getter right. in my election as a homeschool mom. Yeah. Um, and I was one of the first elected officials in the country to have a blog um, back when blogging first started and kind of talk about what was happening in the process and have bring that level of transparency to the process, um, which, of course, the fellow board members did not like. Sure. So I learned a lot about that. I learned a lot about picking your battles. I learned a lot about just really standing strong and um, not caring as much if people like you or not, because mm -hmm. I used to really care if people liked me, and, and I want people to like me, but it doesn't kill me if they don't anymore. Right, yeah, that makes perfect sense. So one of the things that I think is a, a lot of people would like to know, a lot of people I think would like to get involved in politics, but they don't know where to start. Sure. You know, you talked about volunteering on a campaign. Um, obviously you ran for office a couple years after that, and uh, you and I have talked before, you've had some good experiences and some bad experiences with your political involvement. What would you recommend to somebody who wants to start getting involved? Mm -hmm. I think it's, um, it, it depends on why, what your motivation is. Sure. You know, if you're a young adult and you're like, hey, I wanna be in politics and I'm, I wanna make this a career, mm -hmm. I think that's a different trajectory than if you're you know, watching the news and you're just tired of the way things are going, one way or the other. Mm -hmm. Those are gonna be two different courses. Yeah. Um, I have some general theories about it in that I, I always think it's better, if, if you really truly wanna have an impact on our country, you're gonna do a better job of being able to do that if you don't have to get paid to do it. Yeah. If you have the option to earn your money and earn your living some other way than, than not getting paid through politics, you're gonna be more effective and you're gonna be more pure, I guess, to what you believe in. Sure. Because as soon as you start wanting to get paid for it, you're gonna find that you're gonna to have to compromise. Mm -hmm. um, which isn't a bad thing in terms of compromising with others to get things done, but if you start compromising your who you are, your core values, right. you know, then I think that's a problem, right? So, and, and you know, I finally decided that there's no way to be in politics and not dance with the devil. You just have to go home with the one that brought you. Sure. And uh, so I think it's really important to have a very strong sense of who you are, of what you believe, mm -hmm. um, and understand what are um, the non-negotiables for you and maybe what's negotiable. Mm -hmm. um, also, I think it's really important to remember that people who don't look like you, vote like you, believe like you, they're not the enemy. Yeah, We've gotten so divided right now in our country and it's very disheartening. So, you know, the first step is to turn off the national media. Whether it's Fox News, MSNBC, CNN, just turn it off. Take a break. Yeah. Look around, and you're going to realize that the world actually isn't burning to the ground. Right. We're all okay. You know, for the conservatives, we survived eight years of Barack Obama, which we never thought we would. Mm -hmm. And the Democrats, you will survive Donald Trump, mm -hmm. even though you don't think you will. And I think that when you do that, you get a more grounded perspective. Does that yeah. make sense? That makes perfect sense. I think um, one of the things I've always appreciated about our friendship is that, you know, we're very different politically. You're not the enemy, you're my friend. Um, For sure. We disagree about stuff all the time. Right. That's okay. You know, Eventually have, you'll come around my side. <laughs> you know, you don't know. come around to your side. Well, and the, but the important thing is you're not gonna bring anybody around to your side by demonizing them. 
That's right. right. That's um, right. You're not you're not making you're not building your own coalition by calling the other people the bad guys. That's right. Um, you're just making them dig in further to the position that they're in. That's right. We can have a conversation about an issue, and you know, I might change my mind about it a little bit. I'm probably not coming all the way to your side, um, just like you're probably not coming all the way to my side That's on an right. issue. But if we can have a conversation about that, you know, without throwing hands or calling each other bad names, mm -hmm. you know, you're much more likely to at least get someone to appreciate your perspective. Yeah, I used to talk about political evangelism. And so what we tend to do, especially conservatives, I mean, from my perspective, liberals tend to just get mad and call you a racist. But conservatives, which is equally as bad, will try to talk with you and they'll basically beat you over the head with their pocket constitution. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, kind of be a jerk for Jefferson, if you will. You know, <laughs> right? That's great. And so they, um, and they will literally go through a list of beliefs. And as soon as you don't agree with them on an issue, yeah. they will beat you about the head until you agree with them or walk away, right? Mm -hmm. So, and at which case the liberal probably calls you racist. So we see how or that- Or a homophobe or I mean, uh, any, we, any we, number of those. We're real good at that. For sure. We got Bottom our own the list, bottom and walk away. That's yeah. right. Instead of finding the common ground and starting from there and realizing, I, I love this Trey Gowdy who I don't adore, but I loved the speech he gave. And he said, we can have contrast without conflict. Yeah. And I think that's what's missing is the ability to flat out do that, you know? And you have to go into politics as a young adult or even as an older adult who just wants to make a change, understanding that you can have contrast without conflict and that, you know, can, can continue to connect with people and be like um, a political evangelist, right. and where you're planting seeds and walking away and not bringing in the uh, the backhoe to dig everything up and, and destroy things. Yeah, that's right. Um, no, that's great, and I think that's um, that's good advice for people who want to get involved in politics. You know, um, unless your motivation for getting involved is in politics is you think everybody that disagrees with you is bad, um, then probably that's that's a good approach. Mm -hmm, for sure. So. I've always known you as a very high energy person and also a person who's worn a lot of hats and had to balance a lot of responsibilities between working, being a mom and a wife, your involvement in politics, lots of other stuff. Mm -hmm. um, so sort of following up on, um, you know, where, where to get started, can you talk a little bit about balancing politics with real life, particularly for those folks who, you know, aren't high school, college age kids that want to make a career of politics? Like, how do you strike that balance of being involved in things that you're passionate about and managing all your other responsibilities in life? Right. I think that's a great question because I think there can be unintended consequences if we become so ingrained, you know, that you um, take that opinion home to your children. You know, I found that with my kids and now they're challenging it a little bit. And I understand that, you know, because I brought my politics home and, sure. um, and they're very easy way to be rebellious is to do the opposite. Of course. <laughs> I just think that you have to make sure that your your priorities are in line. You know, right. um, there. I had a sense for a while that the country was going to burn to the ground, it was going to be over, and I had to do something. And that really got me out of balance with what was important. And it was okay for a season, but that can't be your life. Right. And, and really, I think you have to, after you unplug from that national media, you have to accept the reality that a lot of what happens in politics, especially at the national level and sometimes at the state level, is really beyond your control. Mm -hmm. um, it's a natural ebb and flow. It's a statistical certainty and uh, that certain things happen and um, it doesn't, you know, what you do, killing yourself to do this, it, it might make you feel like you're I don't know, laying it all out there, dying for the cause, but it's not going to change things. So you need to put your energy where you actually can have an impact mm -hmm. and then it will benefit everybody. And also, you know, I think 
being that good role model for your children in terms of being kind and generous and being a good a good steward of any power that you've been given I think is an important thing to model for them and really be just being kind you know a lot of people that are you're watching these national TV shows you're mad like whether you're a Democrat or Republican you're pissed off right and so you're gonna take that into your family and into your workplace and you're gonna treat people accordingly you're gonna see a red hat and just treat them like crap or you're gonna see someone who's struggling with transgenderism and you're gonna treat them like crap instead of being kind and nice right you know and seeking first to understand we've yeah. lost all that I agree and it's I think there is there's a real lack of desire to understand people who are different from us and frankly the polarization has diminish the opportunities to mm -hmm. do that. If we're just retreating into our own corners and, and doubling down on that, it gives us less opportunity mm -hmm. um, to try and understand one another. The example that I always use is, you know, if, if you are a white person who lives in a very, very rural part of our country and your only experience of black people is what you see on TV and in the movies, I understand why you're scared of us. It's not a pretty picture. Mm -hmm. We've got to create more opportunities to engage with people who are different from us in, based on politics or race or our views on different issues or what we like to eat for breakfast. The more we can engage with uh, other people who aren't like us, the more we're going to understand them and the better we can work together even when we do disagree. I agree with that. I think that you can't... And I think it's the same thing. Like if you see someone who's making a, a red, wearing a, a Make America Great hat, again, hat, that doesn't necessarily mean that they hate everybody and that they're homophobic bigots. It doesn't, it, they're not. Like most, right. we're not, you know? Right. And so um, I think that, but I think that artificially, the danger is artificially trying to like make people interact. I think that there's a natural cultural thing that divides people because we go like at a human level with mm -hmm. what we kind of know we're more homogenous right we hang out with people sure. that are like us mm -hmm. and so forcing something I don't think is necessarily the right answer but I do think coming at it from a perspective of seeking to understand and giving people the benefit of the doubt mm -hmm. and being open when the, oh, those opportunities present themselves because it, it, you know it's not a um, it's, we all have prejudice. We have to make split-second decisions about everyone we meet every day. Of course. We have to prejudge situations. When it comes to be a problem is when we get counter-information, mm -hmm. but we ignore it or, yes. or you know, basically ignore it um, or discredit it because it doesn't fit in with what we already think. That's right. So that's that's what needs to change is when you meet someone at the store, we have to make those split-second decisions. I mean, if you see a pack of young men whether they're black or white and you're a single woman by yourself at night you're probably gonna make a decision to cross the street right of course that's not prejudging i mean it is but it's just survival but if all of a sudden we see them and they're like seeing christmas carols you know what i'm saying we have to right. like accept the new information and be like okay right so i think that that starts with you you have to unplug from what's being pushed down your throat you know all these news agencies they're a bunch of hypocrites and liars and they honestly they love the division. They make money off the division. Absolutely. It's good for business. It's great for business. And and politicians love it. It's yeah. part of the game. Sure. Are you kidding? They don't care if they win. I mean, they like to win and lose. But do they really care? Because people in D.C. are getting rich while they're in the minority or the majority party in any given year. Sure. And so it's um, that's just, again, part of the reality of what's going on in politics right now. And as a grassroots activist, I think you can have so much more impact. Once you understand, you unplug, you understand the reality, which is what we've just talked about. You also have to know to where to look then, where to plug in at. Yeah. And I think it's, to me, 
it's very difficult because everything is a national conversation because of our news sources. Mm -hmm. But Congress has a 90% reelection rate, what on a great day, a 30% approval rate. Right. You're not going to have an impact there. You have to go local, but local isn't sexy and it's not fun and they're not talking about it on Fox News and Rush Limbaugh's not talking about it. That's right. But all those people that rise up through the ranks and end up being the, frankly, turd buckets we send to D.C., <laughs> they all started on township boards and school boards and in state rep primaries. That's where you, that's the gatekeeping that has to happen. And, and good people can stop bad issues and bad people mm -hmm. if they stay local again it's not as sexy it's not as fun there's not there's a money in it right, right. There's, but it, it's where you know the cost of, of freedom is great vigilance you know it's where we have to be vigilant is at that local level sure absolutely that that's the way the system's supposed to work right is that there is the electoral connection is supposed to be pretty local i mean even in the congress less so with the senate right um at the federal level because right. those are statewide elections but even at the congressional level that's supposed to be pretty local and that's responsive right. to people um and i think that's something that um a lot of folks lose sight of and it's one of the things that i always try and encourage people regardless of their political stripes to remember these people work for you you know that that's part of your job as a citizen regardless of your political views mm -hmm. is to hold them accountable right you know i've been a small business owner now for about five and a half years and you know i, I think the experience in business universally is your employees are going to do better when they get clear direction from the boss that's right. and so some of our political dysfunction is right back on us because mm -hmm. we're the boss and we're not giving our employees well, clear direction. Politics follows culture. That's right. Cultures that follow politics, right? Um, politicians aren't leaders. They're, no. They're not. They're, they don't lead. They, they put their finger in the wind and they look where the, which way the wind's blowing and they walk that direction, right? Yeah. And so, um, you know, it, it becomes, you know, again, looking at the whole political landscape, where can you insert yourself where you can have maximum impact yeah. and still actually have impact? And to me, you know, when I was the most effective in politics is when we, we did just that. And we had a very narrow focus and we said we're going to Im impact state legislature mm -hmm. because you, to me the only issue the only way that our country is going to have any kind of semblance of freedom going forward like long term is if states rise up and say you know what california y'all are crazy you don't want straws now you're doing all kinds of crazy stuff we're not giving you money you know what? ohio ohio state we're not giving you money for your roads anymore we're tired of funding your roads we don't even like your state but until we recognize that and understand that and are willing to do that politically because the power was supposed to be at the state but you know they say that where your heart is there your talent and treasure lies well all of our money all of our attention all of our media is is is, is centered right over dc mm -hmm. nothing at the state level hardly at all and local levels even worse right mm -hmm. so as as we we need to siphon that back to the states so we can have more impact and say over it because i don't know what a farmer in iowa needs I don't know what someone in New Orleans needs. Mm. I don't know what someone in California needs. I barely, I don't even know what someone in Ann Arbor needs. I mean, really, like if they want to teach their kids whatever in their schools, knock yourself out. If Fowlerville wants to have hunter safety as part of their eighth grade curriculum, sure. they should be able to do it, right? Right. So local communities, the idea that we are so, homo like somehow we're homogenous, we're not. We're so different and we need to embrace that difference. Yeah. Um, truly embrace it, right? We don't need, we're, instead we're pretending like we're all the same or there's the same opportunity and we have the same needs. We don't, we don't, we don't.
Right, and we don't have any understanding, or very little understanding, of those different people, even if we disagree with them. You know, I, I, I sort of, I used the race example earlier. I use the gun culture example all the time, too. Uh, where, where I grew up in Oakland, California, um, typically, you know, uh, gun, guns are bad, right? Um, there's There are policemen that have guns that, you know, bad things happen. Um, there are criminals that have guns, bad things happen. And I never really had an appreciation until I got older um, uh, in Michigan of rural gun culture. And not just that, you know, people like to shoot guns, although clearly they do. Mm -hmm. But, you know, for some um, for a lot of working class rural families, a freezer full of meat is a big deal. That's right. Um, also, a gun's a mid-level barter item. Um, yeah. If I owe you money, um, it costs more than a set of power tools and less than a car. Um, and so I don't think that for a lot of people who grew up the way that I did, um, that's not immediately going to occur to you unless you have some experience of that's people right. who live like that. I went into business with a guy who happens to be a gun nut, um, is super involved in all sorts of hunting organizations, and I have a lot better understanding mm -hmm. of those issues, even though, you know, Dan and I don't agree all the time about right. policies around guns. I at least have a better understanding of That's where right. Dan's coming from. And the reality is we're not going to understand each other. That's why laws were meant to be made at the local level. So if you, you could move, you know mm -hmm. what I mean? Like, so sure. I, I don't expect like, like, let's take this example, like your mm -hmm. example, of the guns, you don't have to totally understand people. You just have to understand that you don't understand and yeah. stop trying to legislate it. Does that make sense? Sure. And same for like inner city. Like we worked with a church in Detroit a couple of years ago and I wanted to go in and work through the church, like have mm -hmm. them be the front lines, mm -hmm. but we'll support them from Livingston County. Mm -hmm. And I'll go down there with my kids. And we were like the only white people down there and I loved it. And it was great. And I mm -hmm. love those people, but it was like, I, it wasn't us coming in. Right. It was me going down there, and I actually had an idea of what I thought they might need, and then I found out that's not what they needed. Right. But I asked, and I listened, and so we gave yeah. them what they needed. I didn't know, right? Mm -hmm. So what, who am I to legislate? Like, there was a recent... Um, issue that I saw on Facebook about um, one of the schools wanted to change, they had been Carson School, they wanted to change the name of the school, right? Sure. And people are like, ah, bruh, that's so awful. And I said, wait a minute. Like, it's their school and their right. city. If they want to change it, what do I care? Right. It, 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 but it has to go, like, we're all kind of hypocrites now, right? Because it has to go the same for statues. It has to go the same for other things, too. Instead of everybody in the country yelling, rip down the name of that school. Right. Wait a minute. Well, and what you're talking about is um, they're the more polarized that we get, the more Americans are using politics to fight about culture. And yes. that's what those fights are that's about. Right. And you know what? The This country has always been culturally pretty diverse. Right. It's one of our strengths. And um, trying, to ha trying to use politics to have fights about culture, um, you know, there are times when, when you have to. Um, you know, Last resort, not first. Exactly. You know, slavery is a good example of that. We had to have a fight Civil about rights culture. Civil rights is good about that. Exactly. Right. Um, but it really should be a last resort right. using politics to fight about culture. That's right. That's um, right. And, you know, we as Americans, we tend to compare, I think, we tend to compare ourselves to this ideal. Yeah. I mean, every country, every country in the world has some kind of class system, racism, whatever. Every country in the world divides itself up, tries to judge each other, and every subculture in the world does too, right? Mm -hmm. Even communities. Tower of Babel. Right. So we are So the idea that we're going to come together and somehow, all of a sudden, not see. I'm like, let's embrace contrast. Yes. Let's embrace differences and say, you know what? It's all good, you know, and, and not think that we can ideally somehow. Um, 
fix it. Like maybe it doesn't need to be fixed. Maybe it just needs to be embraced, the differences, right? Maybe we just need to be, start with our own uh, living room and our own family and our own neighborhood and just love people yeah. and just be kind to people. Yeah. First, period. I mean, that's not that hard. It's not. But we've made it so hard because we get into all these battles that don't mean, does it mean anything that the name of a school in Detroit changes? I, it, I don't may, care. Maybe, maybe to the folks in Detroit, and if it does, then, then they should do Then go ahead. That. It's your school. It's your local school board. Exactly. Do it. Yeah. But it's like, and then if you don't like it and you live in Detroit, that's where you get locally active and say no. Well, and, and you're the boss. Go, that's right. go hold the people that work for you accountable. Right. But when I was on the school board, we had people come in from other cities trying to influence. Sure. Most of our problems were due to a lack of policy, which we got fixed, mm -hmm. um, and outsiders coming in to influence our, our policies and sure. cause trouble. And it's like, you know what? I, you're from Ann Arbor. Go to Ann Arbor. Do what you want down there, but don't come tell us what to do. Sure. You know what I mean? And if yeah. people don't like it, then you can move. Right. To Ann Arbor. Sure. Or whatever. You know what I'm saying? Like, we have freedom to do that in our country. Sure. It's a beautiful thing. Yeah. And we have cars that actually, you know. So, anyway, I just think it's... um. I think it's a tough time to figure out where to get involved in politics right now. I think if you if you want to just jump on the big tribe of, you know, um, anti-Trump cult, Trump cult, um, those are like the two teams right now. And then everybody else is like stuck in the middle trying to figure out where do you land, where do you, so how do you plug in in this environment, I think is a different question. Well, I think you hit on it earlier, right, is if you want to be involved in making a difference, Right now, national politics is the last place you should be looking. Right, um, right. Turn it off, honestly. Right. Like, just, it doesn't matter. Well, and, and certainly turn off the cable news. I mean, yes. I, I follow national politics and policy, but right. um, I, for myself... But I and browse it now. I don't binge on it. Right, and I, I try not to get it from social media. Mm -hmm. um, I, I certainly, I don't watch cable news anymore. Um, you know, I have I have a few different sources that I like to read. Mm -hmm. I try to make sure that they, you know, re uh, represent a diverse set of opinion. Mm -hmm. um, you know, so I will read Slate and Talking Points Memo, and I'll also read National Review, mm -hmm. um, and I get some national news that way. Right. Um, but yeah, if you want to get involved and make an impact, the opportunity to do that outside of this tribalism um, is not at the national level. It's at the local level with your school board or who's running to represent you in your state your, legislature. Your township board, your city your, council, your village. That's right. But it's still, there still is, and, and, and make no bones about it, there still is tribalism at the local level. Of course. There still is, I mean, local level politics can be very, I mean, being on a school board was awful. Like, it's, being on a school board is frontline awful. It's yeah. hard. And so if you're not called to be on a school board, they used to try to recruit people all the time. Mm -hmm. I said, I, I would literally stay up, which would make them all mad, and say, if you're not called to run to the school board, like if God has not tapped you literally on the shoulder and said, run for school board, don't do it. It's too hard. Sure. You'll get eaten alive and spit out. Right. But if you want to make a difference, and part of it is just like um, being a political evangelist. I think we look too far outside of our own circle of influence, people we already have influence with who will listen to us, mm -hmm. where we can, and, and, and what do I, what are some ways to be a political evangelist? And um, a lot of people, that's a kind of a weird, a weird idea to implement from a practical perspective. But if we were having a discussion about something, like a topic, like abortion or something, um, the way I do a political backhoe job on you and try to like, you know, and then beat you over the head is just to like ask you quite, you know, accuse you of things and gives you facts, give you statistics, mm -hmm. and all you do is shut down. Right. The way better thing to do is just ask a question mm -hmm. 
and then zip it, Skippy. You know what I mean? Like, because if, if we're having a discussion and I ask you a question, all I'm trying to do is put a little crack. And I don't. And, and honestly, like from my perspective, I'm trying to advocate for my view. Of course, the best way to advocate for my view is to put a little crack in the foundation of your view, so well, maybe you'll see things a little differently, and, that's right. and vice versa. Right. Get people to think outside of their own experience and their own their own frame of mind that they and come to that's a conversation. Right. With. The end of your arms, right? You got to yeah. think beyond that. And so, and it doesn't have to be. Um, you know, it, 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 I don't expect you to change your mind, but I do want to understand from a different perspective and, and check. Like, I don't need people to think like me. I just want them to think. Yes, that'd be nice. You know what I mean? <laughs> and, yes. not, and, not, and not just go with the, the talking points and the screaming and yelling. And, and everybody's so angry. Mm-hmm. I'm like, why are you all so angry? Mm-hmm. Go get an ice cream, step outside, and look at the sky. It's beautiful out. You know, I mean, it is a beautiful, we live in a beautiful world. People are fantastic. Right. People are, life is good and people are funny and we have freedom still mm-hmm. and we have the ability to do so much and it's such a blessing and we are ignoring all of the good and the blessings because we're only looking at this, the yuck. Right. And there are, there are plenty of things to be angry about. Um, and you know, anger can be a powerful motivator, um, you know, to get involved and make a difference on an issue, but it's not a way to go through life. You, you, you always You're gonna have, have a heart attack. Right, you always have to be able to moderate that with, um, uh, you know, with things that don't make you angry, um, yeah. and that anger can't be your only motivator. I mean, if there's no. something that is is deeply important to you, um, it's okay to be angry about it and to use that as motivation to get involved. But that can't be, that can't be the only way that you're involved mm-hmm. is expressing your anger. There's got to be something. It, it else. won't be effective, and it That's won't right. sustain you. You're gonna burn out, right? Yeah. Because. You know, being angry, like you can have a righteous anger. Like I, I'm very passionate about certain issues and I am right. I am so angry in my spirit about that, like I will quake with anger. I get so I'm if I think about it. Yeah. I get so mad. Mm-hmm. Um, but I can't sustain that 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 state. Sure. So I look, I turn and I look, okay, I say what is good that's going on that I can plug into yeah. and be proactive about and then take breaks and uh, make sure you remember that the world is actually a pretty great place. Yeah. Yeah. So I want to shift gears a little bit and talk to you about bipartisanship. Mm-hmm. Uh, we've been sort of dancing around that a little sure. bit. One of the things that I've always liked about our conversations, and frankly, your approach to politics, is that you know it's not it's not a secret that you're a uh, a pretty conservative person, mm-hmm. um, and yet you've always made an effort to work with people who think differently from you without without sacrificing your own principles, mm-hmm. um, which is I think very admirable. Um, so. What's your view, looking at the new configuration of Michigan state government mm-hmm. with Democratic statewide elected officials and um, Republican legislative chambers, what do you think are some opportunities for them to work together, whether it's on certain issues? Mm-hmm. What comes to mind for you as real opportunities where we can have some bipartisanship and maybe get some things done for people? Mm-hmm. Well, I think um, that's a great question. I, at first, I'm still shocked that Gretchen Whitmer's our governor. <laughs> like, yeah. I remember she was a senator, yeah. right? And she was like kind of a bomb threat and yeah. she was a very good activist yeah. and I'm like she's a governor she could be governor I could definitely be governor <laughs> um, but anyway I mean congratulations to her they worked hard they ran a good campaign mm-hmm. so you know I think that um, first of all I think it, it, you have to you have to be realistic about what's not gonna happen sure You're, we, you know we're not gonna in fact I don't think the litmus test that we use in politics at least on the Republican side to test whether 
candidates are good candidates. Like you'll hear this thing where, well, if you agree with me 80%, you're my friend. Mm -hmm. It has to be the right 80%. Like from an inner party perspective, I'm like, I don't, okay, you're pro-life. Okay. Everybody says they're Mm pro-life, right? I mean, right to life is whatever. You know what I mean? Everybody Mm -hmm. says they're pro-life. I don't, you know, that issue, it is what it is. Mm -hmm. Oh, you're pro-second amendment. Everybody says they're pro-second amendment. Mm -hmm. Like, you know what I'm saying? Even people that want to grab your guns say they're pro-second amendment. That's right. Because they lie. Politicians lie. So um, unless they have like a track record to back it up, they they lie and they lie to themselves and they try to figure out ways to you know be ambiguous about it. But well, and it means different things to different people. Too. It does, of course, yeah. it does. So so you look at, um, I think that you can make the wrong people do the right things. Sure. And I think that's one of the most powerful powerful things to understand. If you're getting into politics to run for office, that's a different track than if you just want to do some accountability. Mm-hmm. It's a challenge because most people who donate to politics are buying access. Mm-hmm. And we tried to fundraise off the idea that you were buying accountability. Mm-hmm. So we're going to go out there and be the watchdog for you, right? Sure. And we were extremely effective in doing that. Um, so, But it's all about incentives. Mm-hmm. So to me, it's like, okay, if you want to get some... It, a lot of it's going to be just stopping stuff that's stupid, mm-hmm. I think. Sure. A lot of it is... Um, I think every person that's listening to this and every person that ever contacts your legislature needs the legislator needs to understand that your legislator might tell you no. Mm-hmm. If you ask them to do a bill that doesn't line up, maybe it's emotional. It's really hard for these legislators who are super nice mm-hmm. when you come and give them your sob story and you want a bill mm-hmm. uh, to um, not say yes to you, right? Sure. I mean, it costs five thousand dollars to introduce a bill. They won't t- won't go anywhere, but they'll introduce it for you. Mm-hmm. And so I think. Um, we as citizens have to understand that don't introduce stupid bills. Like understand that. And the other, the other thing I'll say about this too, just real quick is that when you're thinking about any law, legislation, rule, tax, whatever, you need to be perfectly comfortable. If that law, whatever it is that you are advocating for is in place when the worst politician from the other party is elected, if you're comfortable with that. That's right. And if you're not, it should not be a law. Mm-hmm. Um, like flat out. So there's some different ways to kind of gauge that. And I think um, looking for things that we can agree on, Mm -hmm. looking for areas that we can agree on, um, there's got to be some, you know, and we have to find them. And and it can't be making more laws. Like, oh my gosh. I mean, everybody in, we think, politicians don't even have job descriptions at the state level. Mm -hmm. So they think their job is to make laws. So Mm -hmm. they, and they get rewarded for making laws. So they create laws. Stop. Like, stop. You know, and, and so I would say any effort that we can get the Democrats and Gretchen Whitmer on board to say, screw you, federal government. And it's a perfect time now because they all hate Donald Trump. Right. Mm-hmm. So you say, OK, let's 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 tell the feds no. So any time we can tell the feds no right now mm-hmm. um, would be pretty fantastic. And I think you could get bipartisan support for that. Sure. I think that's right. I mean, I uh, on the flip side of that, I mean, I think that, you know, the our current president and our new governor have at least some alignment of interest for instance around the issue of infrastructure mm-hmm. you know the president has talked a lot about you know wanting to wanting to build big infrastructure projects now granted one of them is a wall on the southern border that <laughs> democrats don't seem very enamored of which infrastructure you know, um, which is also infrastructure but you know um governor whitmer ran for office um you know her slogan was fix the damn roads mm-hmm. um so i mean i do think that there is some opportunity to work together on that one thing i wanted to ask you about um and maybe you haven't had a chance to look at it yet 
Um, in the last couple of days, our new governor put out um, a couple of executive directives having to do with transparency, which I know has been a big issue mm -hmm. for you before. Sure. Um, not allowing state employees to use private email accounts to do public business. Um, you know, requiring people um, to blow the whistle on their own departments. Um, you know, when they when they sense that there's something that's going to endanger public health. So one thing that we're going to make a sort of regular feature um, to close out ticket splitters is recommend us a book. Recommend something for people to read. Doesn't have to be about politics, or it can be, but um, we want to expand people's horizons. What are you reading right now, or what do you think is a, a good thing for people to pick up and take a look at? Mm -hmm. You know, the book I just got done reading I really like that um, it's more for women, but is uh, actually Girl, Wash Your Face by Rachel Hollis. Not familiar. Nope. And um, and it is a, a f amazing book. It's not about politics, but I think that it, it really speaks to, um, it's an anti-victim. It's more of a warrior. Like, we all have sad stories. We all have hard things we've gone through. Sure. And you know what? No one's going to fix it, so get up and wash your face. Mm -hmm. And really take account of, take account of your life. Because, you know, if you, if you give away all your power, uh, if you give away all the responsibility for your problems, you give away all the power to fix them. Mm -hmm. So I'm a huge believer in saying, you know what, um, I, and as a leader, it's essentially important to say, I have at least some part in this. Yeah. Either I didn't clearly communicate, there's got to be some part in this that I can own. And even if it was actually like literally done to you, you can still say, you know what, I have, my life is my own. Like I have the power to overcome, right? I have the power right. to fix things within me. I would that that's a very good point I'm actually I'm actually very interested um, to check out your book even though uh, you, you say it's mostly for women I well was, it applies to anybody trust me I was just having this conversation with somebody um, that you know no matter what's happened to you in your life um, don't ever give away your agency even if that's someone right. took it from you at some point that's right don't ever give away your agency they didn't it's keep it. right that's precious and and you get to decide that's right yeah absolutely well, thanks again for doing this, Wendy. It's You're been welcome. great talking with you, and um, I'm super glad that you were our inaugural guest on Ticket Splitters. I'm very honored. <laughs> thanks again. And uh, that wraps us up for the inaugural edition. We'll be back with you soon.